Welcome to Episode 9 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of The What, When, Wine Diet, Paleo and Intermittent Fasting for Health and Weight Loss. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode nine of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hello. And how are you, Jen? I'm doing doing great. How about you? I'm really good. Really good. Any, anything exciting going on in your life lately? So I've started, so like I say on every podcast, I'm working on the new version of the What When Wine Diet. And I've started working on the recipes now because I'm collaborating with a celebrity chef who I really, really like her work. Um, and we've started coming up with the recipes and it's really exciting, especially because I personally, and we've talked about this before, but I personally eat like the same thing every, not the same thing, but like I eat very simple. Right. Um, and I eat basically the same types of foods every night. So looking at these recipes, like these paleo recipes is really exciting. And it's making me kind of want to start making recipes myself. Okay. <laughs> See, that'll be your next step. That That's what happened with me with learning that I love to cook. It's so much fun. It makes the, the meal an event every night. How about you? Anything new with you? Yes, I am officially in summer and loving it. It's it's great to be off of work um, with the with the teaching. But I had a very very interesting day yesterday that ended with me throwing my scale in the trash can <laughs> once and for all. Oh my! Like literally into the trash can. Yes, I took it out to the curb at the trash can and threw it away. So it's so freeing to do. That. It really is. <laughs> I was. I wanted to ask: Do you weigh yourself frequently? No, not. I mean, not really. I used to. I used to be like a scale freak um not so much though no see that's that's the way it's it's become with me I had not weighed myself since April of 2016 so it had been 14 months yeah 14 months since I'd weighed myself and I actually continued to weigh myself for just over a year in maintenance just to make sure you know that I was really doing this and after about a year in maintenance I decided I wasn't going to weigh anymore because I started to, you know, like if the weight had was up a little bit, it would make me think, well, now I need to, you know, do this and the other. And if my weight was down, it, I just started to have more thoughts about the scale than about, um, about, th- then I should, I just, I didn't feel like it was healthy. So I talked to somebody who had been intermittent fasting for a while and she told me she hadn't weighed in years. And that made me think, Hey, maybe I could give this a try. So I put the scale away in April and didn't weigh again. And so since then, I hadn't any, I didn't have any idea about what I weighed, but I've noticed my body has continued to change. So I felt like I was continuing to lose fat because I went down two sizes in jeans. As I've mentioned before, I had to buy all new underwear. (laughs) My cup size and my bra went down. It's the one downside people talk about. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I have these measuring leggings that, you know, I'm a, a gadget junkie. So you like put them on and you press the button and it communicates with your phone Whoa. and measures you. Yeah. It measures like around. Wait, leggings with a button. So they're electronic. They have batteries in them. Yeah. And you don't put the, you don't change it, but it just like comes with like a battery, but it measures you. My mind is being blown right now. I know. I know. Well, see, I love a gadget, but. We'll put a link in the show notes to these leggings. We will. They're called like, like a glove. Are they expensive? Well, they're they're a little pricey. They're like I don't know. I think I paid. I can't remember, but you can search for it and see. I've had them for a while. Maybe I got them in the fall. But 
I liked the idea of, of seeing the the premise of them is it can help you buy jeans online because it tells you what size you fit into. Oh, That's, okay. But I just wanted a way of tracking my measurements since I wasn't weighing, and I was super excited. I actually have gone down three inches around my waist since November. That's a lot. It is, and I'm in maintenance, and so I'm not trying to lose weight. So I put them on yesterday and found that I was down three inches in my waist, and I said, I'm going to weigh myself. So I pulled the scales down, and I was expecting to be down maybe 10 pounds, right? Mm -hmm, Right. Because I've gotten so much smaller. Well, I was only down two and a half pounds, and I mean, that just threw me for a loop. I was like, wait, wait, how could I be so much smaller in size? And only down two and a half pounds. And so, you know, I talked about it in my Facebook group. And then I just threw them away. <laughs> threw the scales away. Because I don't want to go through that. I thought I was going to see a certain number. And, and I didn't. And forget about, you know, what the label of my clothes says or what my waist measurement says. I was hung up on that number on the scale. So it felt so good to just throw that scale away. That's so telling. It just says so much about how weight is so many factors. Yeah. It also says a lot about how, how much it affects us. Like you clearly have lost fat. Yes. Yes. Your body composition is changing for the better, right. but still you were slightly bothered by the, the number, the number. It, oh, it's so hard to escape that in our head. It, it, it really is. And, and after I was really mad at myself that I actually got upset. <laughs> you know, that was yeah. the whole thing. Not that, you know, who cares what the number says? Because intellectually, I know that. I know that, you know, I've got more muscle definition. People are like, wow, you work out. I'm like, no, but I do build muscle. I think that fasting helps with that because of the human growth hormone, of course, that is enhanced. But I've clearly built muscle and I've gotten smaller. I've never been this small at this weight before. But that number on the scale, we're just so tied to it. So I broke free of that. This week, I'm free of that. Now, am I anti-weighing? No, I did it while I was losing weight, and it was a tool, but it's not a tool I'm going to use. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I feel free. Did you, like, almost throw it away and then not, and then almost throw it away and not, and then... Yeah. Or did you just throw it away? Well, I I thought about it, and then people were like, smash it, smash it. And then (laughs) I was like, I can't smash it. It'll make a mess. So... I just went, I threw it away. And then I thought about, you know, giving it to like Goodwill or something. But well, it's one of those like Wi-Fi scales. So like if somebody else stands on it, it would send the the weight measurement to me anyway through my app. So I took the batteries out and like put it in the trash. Oh my goodness. <laughs> some some stranger would be weighing on it and I would know exactly how much they weigh. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you on Thank that. You. Oh, so telling. It's kind of yeah. like those. Um, have you seen those pictures? Well, they'll sh- they'll show like the same weight on yes. different people, and they look completely different. Or I've even seen like a person who who's done the same thing, like somebody who was, let's say that she weighed 145 pounds. I'm just picking that out of the air, but it shows her at 145 looking puffy and and having some fat and then also at 145 now that she's sculpted and muscular and she's a whole lot smaller but it's the same girl same weight just that the same weight doesn't look the I mean clearly I've weighed this amount before and been bigger at this weight than I am now so so the takeaway audience is throw away your scales (laughs) and don't maybe (laughs) maybe don't or at least don't fixate on the number exactly because so much is happening in your body with intermittent fasting that's not just 
the the scale is not an accurate reflection. Not at all. Not at all. All righty. Well, we can jump in. So we have a ton of listener questions to address. Um, So we can just jump right in with that. I'll go ahead and read the first one. Okay. So our first question comes from Marsha Clark. And the subject is questions. (laughs) And she says, Hi, I am really enjoying the IF podcast. I just started intermittent fasting after reading about it for years. I was wondering about people who take certain medications or vitamins every day. Should an intermittent faster take them in the hours they are eating or does it really matter? Also, how can you reach the maximum weight loss benefits? 24-hour window? Thank you ladies so much and best of luck with the podcast. I will be listening. Okie dokie. So supplements and vitamins and supplementing. Um, do you want to jump in or? Sure. We? Sure. And uh, I'll be glad to. We get a lot of questions in the Facebook groups about medications and vitamins and does this break the fast and does it not? And people will just ask that blanket question. Do, do supplements break the fast or do medications break the fast? And the thing is they're not all created equal. Different supplements, different medications have different effects on our bodies. So I can't just say yes or no. Um, as far as medications, you really need to follow any dosage guidelines you've been given by your doctor. And we, we certainly can't give advice about that. If you have to take medication during the fast and your doctor has told you to, and if it needs food with it, you've just got to figure out, you know, the least amount of food you can take with it that won't upset your stomach or, I mean, you don't want to eat like a whole meal if you're also going to consider yourself fasting. And sometimes you may need to take a break from fasting for for a little while if it's a temporary medication. Um, As far as vitamins goes, from what I understand about vitamins, there are many fat-soluble vitamins that are going to actually do better when you take them with food. So I would take all vitamins with my food for that reason. You know, like I said, there's no one answer for all medications, supplements, and vitamins. I do take magnesium. Uh, right before bed, and that's technically, you know, my window's already been closed for a while by that point. So, you know, that obviously is not a problem for me with my fast. Um, what do you think, Melanie, about the... So it's interesting that you were talking about it breaking the fast. That it didn't even occur to me to address that aspect of it. Um, that's what people always ask. They always that's ask so interesting. I was like, fast. oh, I didn't even think about that aspect yeah. of it. I was just thinking more for absorption and everything. Right. Um, I agree with medications. You're, you're really going to have to go with the way it's prescribed to take it. So however you can best fit that into your fasting schedule. As far as specific vitamins go, like you said, a lot of vitamins are fat soluble. So you're going to want to take them with meals. So like vitamin D is fat soluble. Some that might be taken on an empty stomach, B vitamins, uh, those are good to take sublingually. So you can take those Mm -hmm. under your tongue. And those are water soluble, so they don't require. They actually will probably be more effective if you if you take them without food. Same for vitamin C. Uh, same for if you take any sort of energy type supplements. Those I personally have found those go well on an empty stomach. I also take magnesium at night, like you. Um, basically, the only thing you have to worry about is if you're very sensitive and you find that taking things on an empty stomach makes you nauseous, mm-hmm. then you're obviously going to have to adjust and take it with food. And I don't think a lot of people don't realize just how significantly fillers and the additives and the type of um, binding materials that these supplements use can affect you. 
it seems like a small amount, but you might be sensitive to something. So if you can find a brand, especially with like vitamins, if you can find a brand that really works with you and stick with it, that will probably help as well. And we, we didn't answer the second part of the question yet. And it was right. maximum weight loss benefits with the window. And I really think that varies from person to person. There's, I mean, I've seen graphs here and there. I, I don't know the source of the graphs, but people tend to share them around about when you actually start burning fat. Yeah, me too. But it's, it's not going to be the same for everyone. And even those graphs are going to be an estimate. Um, you know, I get the, the, taste in my mouth that, that signifies I'm burning fat or in ketosis. I get that somewhere around hour 14 of my fast to hour 16. And it just is going to depend on so many factors. Like, are you, is your body, you know, fat adapted? Are you used to burning fat? Are you used to dipping into your fuel sources, your fat sources every day? In that case, you're going to see that sooner. Also, it depends on what you ate last. Exactly. You know, I eat carbs in my meal, and, and that doesn't keep me from going into ketosis during the fast. But, you know, if you um, – if someone who, who was not eating very many carbs would actually find it would happen sooner, what were you going to say, Melanie? Yeah, I was going to say a lot of people say, like, the golden hour starts at 16, at right. 16 hours. <laughs> um, I personally, for me, around 12 hours is when I start feeling – a little bit fasted and then it gets better from there. So if you want maximum weight loss benefits, definitely hit that fasted state and then know that the longer you go, the more you're going to be burning fat. And it does seem to escalate in the short term pretty rapidly. So um, like you said, 24 hours is what she was asking about. Right. I think that that is a really good way to personally for like the one meal a day thing that can work. Um, I will say something kind of epic for if you really want to burn fat is, is if you do some – so deep into your fast, maybe right before – if you're doing one meal a day right before you eat dinner, if you do some brief like high-intensity interval training or some brief just intense exercise, you're going to be – you're already in deep into the fasted state and then doing that exercise is just really going to ramp up fat burning and I found mm-hmm. that that's a really good way to tap into some stubborn fat stores. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, I will I will ask the second question and it is from Angie. And this the subject is the naysayers. I just like saying that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and Angie asks, how do you deal with people online or in your personal life who no matter how successful you are at this, still insist it is a calorie in, calorie out way of life? So many people in my life take that way of life as gospel truth and act like I'm nuts. Do you just ignore it? I try to avoid conflict, but when people start a sentence with, obviously, you know, it all boils down to calories in, calories out, I don't know what to say. So what would you say to Angie and her naysayers? Okay, I love this question. Me and too. And, and Angie, so as you know, I'm working on the new rendition of my book, and after reading your question, because I have a section on dealing with social <laughs> social issues with intermittent fasting, I went and added the word naysayer in there, so that's that's your, your contribution. Um, but actually, so the reason, not even kidding. One of the reasons I wrote the what, when wine diet originally was because of this problem or this issue. I just got so tired of people, people just freak out. They just freak out. Like, um, if they've never heard of intermittent fasting before, they think you're doing things detrimental. They think you're, they can think you're very silly because like she says, it's obviously calorie, calories in, calories out. 
Um, I just got so tired of that and I wanted to do the research and have a resource so I could say, actually, I wrote this book. Just read this. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, it helps. Um, but so as far as dealing with it, so I personally like to have just a very quick go-to reason that I spurt out that just addresses the issue really quickly and moves on from there. So um, if they're talking about calories, I might just say that, yes, calories do matter, but they're processed differently by the body. There are different factors that affect that. I like to just have like a few go-to statements that I use. And I think the key is how you respond. So not being defensive is key. Speaking in the first person. So I love to say like, well, I personally do this because it works for me rather than, oh, you should do this because this is the way it is. Or so I don't like to respond with the same tone that the like the attack <laughs> usually comes at me from. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. It, do you have thoughts, Jen? Oh, yes. I could say a lot more, but... I do. And um, in a simple form, I mean, if you absolutely boil it down to a simplified form, you know, you're losing weight because your calories in is less than your calories... Oh, wait. No, I said opposite. Your cal- Yeah, your calories in is less than your calories out. Well, of course. In a simplified form, you're losing weight because you're burning more than you're taking in, obviously. But the thing is, is that that is a, a huge oversimplification because of the way the body works. Huge. I have a chapter on it. <laughs> yeah. And yes, if you're losing fat and losing weight, your body is burning it. That's true. And you're not taking in more food than your body needs. Yes, you could still take in more food than your body needs while doing intermittent fasting and gain weight. You could do that. But the thing is, is that all calories are not created equal. And that's the most important thing to keep in mind. You know, think of the example of, you know, 1,200 calories of jelly beans versus 1,200 calories of broccoli. They're not going to be handled in the body the same way. One of the two is going to be treated by your body as food. It's got lots of fiber. It's going to, your body knows what to do with it. You're going to get good satiety signals. You're going to actually not really even be able to eat 1,200 calories of broccoli probably. But the jelly beans, your body, that, that sets off a hormonal cascade that is not going to be beneficial so I think you could have two and actually people have done this you could have two equal diets as far as number of calories they call them isocaloric in the um, in the research world and you could get entirely different results as far as what your body does with it so no matter how much you're measuring calories in calories out is what your body does with those calories is going to really vary Um, like high fiber foods they found that maybe three quarters of the actual measured in a lab calories get processed by your body. So it may say it's got this number of calories, but your body can't use them all. Yeah. Or then again, people's gut bacteria are different. Right. So you might actually, if you have bacteria that actually use the fiber and generate more fatty acids from it, then you're going to get more energy from that than somebody who has a different exactly. microbiome. Literally, there's just so many factors that. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 not just a simple calorie calculation. So when people talk about, well, my, you know, basal metabolic rate is XYZ, no, that is going to vary. The way your body handles a certain number of calories is going to be different depending on what it what they are made of. The quality matters so much. And that's that's you you can't get away from that. 
Yeah. So I think it's two main things. It's the type of calories are handled differently and then how your body even responds because right. your body might might upregulate its metabolism, might downregulate mm-hmm. its metabolism. That, that, that involves factors that are slightly in control, maybe not even completely in your control at all. So it, it's just, it's very complicated right. for sure. We could, we could have a whole episode on calories. We really could because th- there's just so much to it. And people say, well, obviously, like, like she said here, obviously it's calories in, calories out. Well, you know, let's, you could do an experiment with your friend and you could each go on the same number of calories and you eat high quality foods and they can just eat, you know, like granola bars and let's see who has a better result. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know who would have a better result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just try to try to I would recommend that you understand the science a little bit yourself so you can feel confident in what you're doing. And then just I mean she she asked like do we just ignore it? Do what do we do? So I I think just be confident. <laughs> Don't be defensive. Right. Don't you know, attack back or anything like that, but just, yeah, I mean, you kind of do have to ignore it while... You do. Yeah. Don't let it get to you. Okie dokie. Next question comes from Stephanie, and she says, Hi, ladies. Love your new podcast. I listen to five-plus podcasts about keto, low-carb, etc. Keto... Okay. Keto and long-term fasting, five to 14 days, are just not working for me, even two years in. I'm about 20 pounds overweight, and I'm just yo-yoing like crazy. I'm 5'3 and 152 pounds. Is it possible to get down to 125 to 130 on IF? This is me talking. I'm going to say yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. She says, okay, she has a lot of questions. Here we go. Number one, are you guys consuming anything during the day? Can I have heavy cream in my coffee or some macadamia nuts or almonds or do you literally mean no calories whatsoever until the feeding window starts? And I, how about we just address these one by one before? Okay. I yes. Go on. I think that's a great idea. Um, as far as her first question, is it possible to get down to one twenty five, one thirty on IF? Absolutely, yes. She um, she's five three, so I think without a doubt she could get down to that. Um, she says she's two years in with keto and long term fasting. Here's the thing about about me. Um, if you've read my book, Delay, Don't Deny, I talk about my own diet history in there. And I was a big believer in the whole science behind low-carb, high-fat, and keto eating to the point that I committed fully to that. The science is compelling. I understood about the insulin, and I understood about the fat storing. And so, but I was still eating all day long. I was still, you know, having breakfast, lunch, dinner. So I committed to that lifestyle, and I did it for a whole summer, and I did not deviate, I did not cheat, and I did not lose any weight at all. I didn't feel good, so um, I decided I needed to add carbs back, and that's when I started to do intermittent fasting. I added carbs back, did intermittent fasting at the same time, and that's when I finally started to lose weight, and I finally started to feel better. My body feels better when I include real food carbs in in what I'm eating. I don't feel good if I if I don't eat them. So I'm not saying, you know, that you should not stick to keto if you love eating that way, but if it's if it's if you're still overweight and you've been trying this for years and you are doing long fasts with 5 to 14 days and you cannot lose weight, that is showing that there's something in your body that that isn't enjoying this lifestyle for you because I absolutely believe that our bodies want to be 
at a at a good healthy weight and if you're if you're eating in a way that makes your body happy you can get there what do you think about that melanie yeah i agree completely um i as well had my my splurge of keto and super super low carb i do think that works a i think that works for a lot of people i think it works for a lot of people when they first try it yep um right in the beginning but then it might not work as well long term for a continued weight loss. I personally found that I like you, I lost more weight when I did add back in carbs. Um so I think yeah, definitely I think you should like you said, maybe try switching it up, trying maybe a higher carb approach. In any case, I think intermittent fasting is like the the best for the weight loss because then you are just going to get into that fat burning state every day. Even if you're not keto, you're still going to get the fat burning state. And we just talked about we just talked about calories and everything. Um, you might end up consuming less calories overall by adding back in more carbs and less fat, um, and that might lead to weight loss as well. So. Yeah, I think definitely switching it up. And it's but it's definitely possible to get down to that weight. Definitely. Absolutely. And it's just you just have to try it and see how you feel. We're not talking about that you go straight to, you know, McDonald's, you know, as carbs. We're, oh, please we're no. talking please, no. please, please, don't. please. <laughs> no, that's not what we mean. We're talking <laughs> like whole about whole foods. Yeah. You know, vegetables, and, fruit, I mean, vegetables, fruits, a potato. Maybe starches. I, you know, I eat yeah. a lot. I eat a lot of starches. And I feel really good when I eat them. That's the thing. Some people do better on starch and some people do better on fruit. I right. could be a tangent. Like for me, starch kills me, but Does fruit it? is like my love. Yeah. <laughs> but you just have to see how it, how it feels to you. And again, that goes back to the gut microbiome. I'm doing a lot of, of reading about that. And it, a lot of what we do well with depends on what our gut is populated with. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So my gut likes potatoes. <laughs> Mine does not. <laughs> See? And, and that's, that's the thing. You just have to figure it out for yourself. And intermittent fasting does help you pinpoint what foods you do well with. Oh, definitely. Because you, you know right away. You get clarity. Yep. It's hard to tell when you're eating constantly right. um, what's doing what. But you get lots of clarity for sure. And then for her second question, are you guys consuming anything during the day? Um, first of all, no solid food. Right. I, I really, at least for me personally, any solid food starts digestion, the digestive process, and that really breaks the fast. At least you're, e- for you're me. either in the fasted state or the fed or you're, state. Or you're right? not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but as far as the heavy cream and the coffee, so I will refer you to episode five. We actually talked about coffee and drinks during the day a lot there. But um, I personally think if you're transitioning to intermittent fasting, which you probably so she's been she's done long term fasting, but not intermittent fasting, right? That's what it sounds like. I'm not really sure. She did she didn't say whether she did the intermittent fasting or not, but she has done definitely has done the longer one. She's she's done extended fast, yeah. Okay, which we've talked about those as well in other episodes. Right. Um, so as far as the cream and the coffee goes, I do think it's okay if you're transitioning to intermittent fasting. I think it's also potentially okay if you are in your intermittent fasting pattern and it works for you and it doesn't create hunger. Um, but in general, I would err on the side of not having it if you can. I personally found that once I went, sh- once I finally got to the point where I was just straight black coffee or plain tea that I felt a lot better personally. Right. And we also 
for, you can check out that episode five. We talk a lot about, um, like coconut oil and MCT in your coffee and our thoughts on that as well. And I also think you, we talked about using it as the transition period, but she's been keto and done True. the longer fast. She should not have any trouble with the daily intermittent fasting that mm-hmm. I just thought of that, that, you know, people who are coming off a frequent eating plan are the ones who have the most trouble with that. I think Stephanie, once you do reach, I would, I would cut out the, the cream and everything for now. And then mm-hmm. once you do reach that weight that you're happy with, which you will, that might be when you might want to bring back in adding some coconut oil in your coffee or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's better for the beginning and then maintenance mode, right. Right. not the in-between. All right. Now her, her next question that she asked said, so it sounds like you're consuming quite a few carbs during the feast window. Is that correct? I heard you say chips, fruit, wine, etc. Would you like to take that one? <laughs> sure. Um, so, yes, as far as the, the feasting window goes, the carb thing is completely up to what makes you feel best, kind of like we talked about We talked about this um, just a second ago. So I personally do best, probably, I probably take in around 100 to 150 carbs per day or so, and that's a number that I've seen thrown around in the like the paleosphere a bit as a good, uh, good amount of carbs studies on hunter gatherers and like historical human beings. It, it, the carb range varies wildly. Um, the, the entire range likely varies between 30 to 60%. I'm just going off memory, but I think that's about what it was. But in general, that probably fell to around, uh, around 30, 40%. Uh, macronutrients from carbs. So I do think that is like a healthy composition of the diet, but really it's, it's up to you. It's what makes you feel good. The, mm-hmm. the key takeaway is finding the type of carbs that work for you and the amount that works for you that gives you the most energy the next day and doesn't leave you feeling f- brain foggy and everything. And they've done a lot of recent studies on the, how people personally react to different carbs. And it's fascinating because we used to think that like the glycemic index. We used to think everybody reacts a certain way to white bread and everybody reacts the same way to a piece of fruit. Um, And that there's a number and that you can measure that. But they've done studies recently and they've realized it's completely different. Like some people will have huge blood sugar responses to a cookie and not a banana. And then some people will be the complete opposite. So you really have to find the type of carbs that work for you. Yep. It, it comes down to how do you feel good? Yes. And you, you cannot assume that, I mean, people always ask on the Facebook groups when anyone, someone, when someone posts that they're successful, someone always says, what, what do you eat? And <laughs> as you just said that that's, I mean, someone could literally copy what I eat every single day and eat exactly the same thing I eat and have a totally different result and vice versa. You know, I have learned what makes me feel good and and what doesn't. I don't feel as good when I eat a lot of meat. I mean, I eat meat, but if I have a giant a lot of meat, I feel blah. You know, Mm -hmm. I I tend to lean more towards – I mean, I like to joke I have a high-carb, high-fat diet. That's pretty much what I eat. (laughs) But, I mean, it's it's not so much the processed foods. Do I eat processed foods? Yes. Are they the main part of what I eat? No. Because I wouldn't feel good if I ate that way. Yeah. So you have to find what works for you. And I'm going to put a link to that, that recent study in the show notes, show notes. It's really fascinating. And it has lots of pictures like charts and you can see how people react 
It's crazy. Everybody acts completely different. And that's why there's like 9,000 different diet plans and they all work for somebody because Mm -hmm. we're all different. And you can't ever assume that it's going to be the same. Exactly. Definitely don't fear don't fear the carbs though. Right. If you, that happens so often. I yep. used to I used to hardcore fear the carbs. Yeah. And I don't want to go back to that. No. No, me neither. So okay, next her next question is what weight loss did you experience doing IF and how soon? I tried IF for four or five days. Oh, so maybe this answers a question about how long uh, she's been doing it. I tried IF for four or five days and didn't see any budge in the scale or body size. Maybe I didn't do it right or long enough? Question. Well, that that's an excellent question. And yeah, four or five days is way too soon to yeah, see. No. Just based on anecdotal evidence, you know, I've got these thousands of people in the Facebook groups and some people start and immediately lose like 10 pounds in three days. Some people do. And then other people start and they gain weight. And some people don't lose anything and they just stay the same, but they find that they're getting smaller. And so there's really no one way that we're all going to respond to this. You know, if you read a book and it's like, I guarantee you're going to lose 12 pounds in 12 weeks. No, that's, (laughs) that's not what IF is. And just like I talked about early in the show today, I have gone down a lot in size that equated to two and a half pounds of scale weight in 14 months, you know, all this in maintenance. But yeah, you can't expect in four or five days to see anything. You you need to give it a good month before you decide if this is working for you or not working for you. And as far as the weighing goes, I do talk about in my book about how to weigh. And I know I just said I threw out the scale, so this might be crazy, but, um, I actually weighed the whole time I was losing weight and for the first year of maintenance. And I did something called weekly averaging. I would take, and and there are apps that do this for you now, but you know, I like wrote it on a a chart with a pen. I mean, I'm old school and then I would add it up. (laughs) I remember you have your picture in the book. I do. It's in the book because I wrote it down. It's just something about seeing it visually. And then I also graphed it with my pen, I guess, you know, old school again. But I, um, I only compared the weekly averages, and that makes such a difference because my weight can fluctuate a lot. You know, it might go up three pounds, and then the next day it's down two pounds, and then it's up. And that's one reason I quit weighing now that I'm in maintenance because I I couldn't tell. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm gaining weight. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. But that's just the, (laughs) the daily fluctuations up and down. But when I was trying to lose, I wanted to see the trend. I wanted to see... Did I need to tweak my window? Did I need to tweak the the quality of the foods I was eating? So I weighed every single day, and I disconnected myself from that number. And then every Friday, I would calculate the average of the previous seven days and then see what I was doing with my trend. That's all that matters, the trend. And and that will save your sanity. Yep, I agree completely. Definitely not even slightly long enough to tell um, or to potentially see differences. Um, It's not a quick fix at all. It's a lifestyle. It is. It is a lifestyle. Yeah. So we're not promising quick, quick weight loss. We're just promising effortless weight loss once exactly. you get into the, into the pattern. And she does ask like uh, how quickly we experienced I, weight loss. I don't even remember because it's been seven years of doing this. I don't, I don't even remember. I can, I mean, I can tell you I, I probably lost like around 40 pounds total, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it, you, the, the good thing is, though, the more you do it, the more you lose, and you'll get into that groove. Yeah. You just got to keep on keeping at it. That's actually what we see. We see people who will start off, and, and I like to say this is a healing plan with a side effect of weight loss because that's really how I view 
it for me. Of course, I started for the weight loss, but the healing has been an excellent, you know, that's that's the main thing now and how I feel. But people will not lose, not lose, not lose, not lose. Then all of a sudden they start dropping like crazy. They start dropping the weight because their body's finally gotten into hormonal balance. Their insulin levels are regulated. They've learned to tap into their fat stores. There's actually um, a process that your body learns how to do, and it takes a while. Depending on how long you've been overweight and and your li- previous lifestyle factors, even you know if you've been on a very low-calorie diet, we see people who have been doing a very low-calorie diet for a long, long time, and they've got a, a slowed metabolic rate. And so they've got to first convince their body that they're not starving, and then eventually their body will, will you know, ramp up that metabolism, and then finally they can start losing some fat. There's so much, and we're also individual with different um, challenges. And also even, so you said four or five days, um, I don't know if this is the exact amount, but I've heard that you can react to certain foods that you've, you've eaten for up to three days. And so that can create like inflammation and bloating and everything. So there's probably just three days alone just to get all the the stuff out of your system. Um, So yeah, definitely keep on. And she had one more question that that we we skipped. Oh, sorry. My bad. Yeah, it was in between the other two. She had a lot of questions. But this one, I thought you would like this one. When you're consuming wine during the eating window, do you limit it to one glass? I did not want us to skip that one. So what do you say? These days, I I am drinking about one glass per night. That's probably where I've landed at. Um, but I used to drink more, and I don't limit it. No. <laughs> That's all I have to yeah, say. Yeah, same with me. I, I drink probably one and a half glasses. Some nights I'll have one. Some nights I'll have two. I used to Not- consistently do about two every night. Um, now it's down to more about one. I actually, interestingly, when I started eating more carbs and fruit and vegetables and everything, I started drinking less wine. There's probably a correlation there That is interesting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't limit it. I don't go crazy. I tend to, I drink less when it's red. If I'm having red wine, one glass of red wine, but if I'm having Prosecco, I don't know, those bubbles, it goes down so easy. (laughs) I'll have two glasses of Prosecco. <laughs> I'll, I'll also refer you to our wine alcohol episode. Absolutely. It was after the coffee, so it must have been episode six, I guess. So you can check check that out. All righty. So hopefully, Stephanie, we answered all of your questions. Those were really, really comprehensive. I like them. They were <laughs> um, great Definitely questions. keep us updated, though. All, all, of the, all of the questions that we addressed today how intermittent fasting goes and any other findings that you have or experiences or thoughts. We'd love to hear them. I would love to hear follow-ups from these people. I really would. That Me would too. We, ha- we haven't heard any follow-ups yet. No. So be our first follow-up. Yay. Somebody. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So if you want to ask your own questions, two ways you can do that. You can email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also go to our website, ifpodcast.com, and submit questions there. Also at that website, we will post show notes for this episode. So any of the studies that we referenced, any of the products we talked about, like those leggings that I'm going to go look up, um, (laughs) we'll have links there so you can look that up. And then lastly, if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love if you could write a review on iTunes. That would really just mean the world. Absolutely. Yep. Any final thoughts from you, Jen? No, I think that's it. Have a great week. Yeah, I know. Happy summer to everybody. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, 
The opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.